0: Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the Free the Sour Stone podcast. I'm your host, Eli, Elihi, all those names. Uh, you know, this is the first time I've kind of done like back-to-back episodes. Granted, there was some time in between the last one, but um, the first two, uh, both at nighttime, both separate days, but had a lot of free time today. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, just going to bang it out. just going to keep it going, you know? Uh, it's kind of funny for the, uh, the Easter episode, which is number two. Um, I, I had some difficulties like posting it just, um, new to the app, wasn't really sure what I was doing and accidentally almost posted it with the first episode again. So, you know, I don't know, I was having issues and then just looked at it again and I was like, Oh, this is easy, easy fix. Edited it. No problem. And I was adding tags and I go, um, that's always the hardest part. A few of them are easy. It's like, I, I like to plug the anchor app, uh, throw Godzilla in there. My man, you know, my hype man. And, uh, you know, a few others, and I did religion, Easter Sunday, because it was Easter, and um, I'm just like, ah, the fifth one, what should the fifth one be, I always struggle with the fifth one, and I was going to put philosophy, but I'm like, no, like, I love talking about philosophy, but as a tag, like, someone just reads that tag, and they're like, oh, look at this self-righteous guy over here, just putting philosophy and religion in the same tag, like, two different tags, so I just put Phil Collins, because as I'm typing in philosophy, Phil Collins pops up, I'm like, you know what? that's what it is that's what nothing in that podcast in that episode is anything do with phil collins but it's exactly what it needs to be so it's great um but it made me think about it too like how phil collins uh such a remarkable artist and you know he is one of those artists that would be in that locked playlist if you've ever worked retail you always hear like the same songs it's like a locked in playlist of songs and none of them are inherently bad but it's when you hear the same songs over and over and over again you go crazy Granted, Phil Collins had some good ones in there. Um, there was one "Take Me Home," and there was a few others, and just uh, we got a, what was it? "Break the Rules." Like you know, I didn't love or hate them. It was just it was Phil Collins, but definitely my all-time favorite song by Phil Collins It's got to be uh, I "Feel It Coming in the Air Tonight." Um, mixed mixed reactions on that song. Some people obviously love this song, like that drum solo. They can't wait for that drum solo. I know I can't. But other people, it really brings out sadness and then makes them sad. And um, I'd have to look this up. But I remember hearing that the song is about, was it Phil Collins witnessed someone drowning and couldn't do anything about it? I think it was something like that. And that is a really sad origins to a song. But um, I do feel when we're kind of overtaken with emotion, it really fuels that creative cell in our bodies. It makes us so much more willing to create uh, I know a lot of times when I've been upset, my go-to is to write. And even sometimes I'm really excited. My go-to is to write. It's just a fun outlet to express, emo- uh, express emotions. And well, we can't control the narrative on situations, we can control the narrative in our writings. Uh, I mentioned that before in pre- like a previous episode, how it's really helped me a lot with writing and just kind of expressing my negative emotion. And it's in a creative way instead of just <laughs> pulling a Kyle and dr- punching a drywall or pulling a Karen and screaming at some cashier somewhere. I, I don't know. I just think it's great to be able to use music as a, uh, music as a um, outlet, um, just like writing. But for this, I kind of want to go more into music. Just think about Phil Collins and talk about those songs. And I like the way it sounds. I like this alternative rock vibe it has going on. It's great. Um, another song I like by Hand, Land of Confusion. You should totally check out the the cover by Disturbed. They're a fantastic band. Um, but Phil Collins is great. And, uh, you know, that song has just such powerful vibes to it. Every time I listen into it, it could be like late at night, you're coming home. Cause a lot of us, obviously we get out of work at nighttime. We go hang out with our friends all night, come home, have to get up at six in the morning. It doesn't matter. We just, or we're night owls or we try to be. And you put on that mellow, uh, melodramatic song, or uh, I don't know if that was the right word, but just these calmer, powerful songs. And that's, that's a good one. It's a good nighttime song um but uh you know i mentioned disturbed earlier and there was something too that was kind of frustrating i i really enjoy that band i grew up listening to metal music um so disturbed was you know obviously they're a huge band i'm a big fan of one of my first cds by them was uh indestructible just an incredible just this awesome you know cover of just this monster walking through fire and looking indestructible no pun intended but um Uh, and the songs are great really enjoy it Uh, I think I heard Perfect Insanity uh, in a WWE game I think it was was it 2000 SmackDown vs. Raw 2009 for the Wii I think or one of those games and I was it's funny when you're younger and certain songs or bands or songs don't quite appeal to you but then when you're older you're like this is the best thing ever Uh, so that whole CD is just wonderful like Inside the Fire has just this really powerful message it's you know you listen to the lyrics and it's like, um, ah uh, what was it? It was just like, uh, go beyond this portal, take the one of uh word of one immortal. I think I'm butchering the lyrics, but essentially it was the idea that the lead singer of Disturbed, David Draymond, he came home to find his uh his girlfriend had committed suicide. She was uh hanging there. And obviously that's that's I could not imagine, you know. Um I know depression affects all of us in different ways, some of us directly, others, maybe your friend, your family member has it, and then it rubs off on you, because you just feel so concerned for them, and you want the best for them, but there's not much you can do. Um, so I couldn't imagine you just come home and you see that, you see your girlfriend, you know, someone you love and care about so much, uh, you know, just there. I mean, let alone if you found somebody who would uh, find a dead body, I mean, that's that's there's nothing good there, there's just a lot of darkness there, and a lot of Really sadness. You know, you think you wish that there's something you could have done, even if you don't know the person. But for David Raymond, he saw her and, you know, obviously it was a life changing event. It was, you know, awful. And he wrote a song about it inside the fires about him. Uh, the idea of the, the the devil basically talking him into killing himself to go join her. And it's just, that's heavy. I don't remember if he, like, heard, like, in his words, he heard the devil saying it. Or these were some dark thoughts he had at the time. Because, as you can imagine, seeing someone you care about who had committed suicide, I, I can imagine depression's the only thing you're feeling. Um, powerful song. Great song. Uh, really sad message. Um, but, man, there's so many other songs. Like, uh, The Night's really good. Um, the lyrics, you know. Um... Are you gonna deny the savior in front of your eyes? Uh, things like that, like you know, again, like I think it's a powerful song. I don't think it's an inherently religious song, but I think it has so many powerful meanings behind it. Just uh, are you, you know, about accepting help from others and you know, just the idea of power and the savior and things like that. You know, the music video itself is pretty dark too. If I remember correctly, uh, someone there was this black forest making things disappear. Very dark, very mysterious, but um so many powerful meanings indestructible that song very pro-military song uh there was a lot of military themes in the music video and um the, so this is kind of funny right so when i was in high school i was in a program called rotc now they mimic um branches of the military ours was following the branch of the navy so it was technically n j r o t c and it was a really great program because it, it basically they have you learn different skills and uh like they have you learn um dan- like how to dance properly they le- teach you how to shoot like these really like low grade rifles um at one point if you're a junior in high school and you're still in the program they let you fly these stunt planes at this uh we had a um airfield not far from the school uh a lot of a lot of fun great activities oh you could even you could even um Get a boat uh boat license you know they would have us take classes and you could do that, and that was really cool. There was a lot of great opportunities and there were you know it was a really important class, I think it was really cool and one thing they had us do freshman year was we had to do boot camp now one hundred percent not at all like the real boot camp like this was if boot camp was uh a feline, it would be like a a lot of tiger, a saber tooth tiger, and this would be like comparatively this would be a half dead kitten like it's not it's not remotely the same um we would have people who are higher ranks than us in the program who would you know tell us to do push-ups and then they would get yelled at for telling us to do push-ups it was that level of just you know but i mean there were certain things too like we had to get up early and we had to do a lot of pt physical training and uh drill and things like that um you know it's really unique interesting experience I'm happy I got to be a part of it but I remember they blasted a lot of disturbed songs um songs of indestructible the album and the song uh the other album ten thousand fist uh, and again the song ten thousand fist um yeah I thought that was cool I was like you know what this is some good taste in music I feel like you know um this is good stuff because uh, imagine getting woken up at five in the morning and they're just playing like just some very whatever type country music. I I, I just no no I'd leave. I'd be mean, like that's it i done. <laughs> you know and you know no disrespect to country. I think um, there's great good and bad in every genre. I'm more of a fan of old country like Patsy Cline. I've really fallen in love with her song Crazy. Uh, I watched uh, Tyson Fury, uh, who is this world renowned boxer. He is just this incredible guy. And honestly, this would make for a great entire story to go like really deep into his background and this whole situation. But for now, just go into the fact that he was this, or is rather this massive heavyweight boxer, physically massive. The guy's like six foot, was it six foot nine, like 260 plus pounds. And you would think a guy like that would fight um, uh, aggressively would come in and try and knock you out, but he's primarily known as a defensive boxer. I've watched fights where he just avoids punches like, they must be centimeters away from his jaw. It's it's incredible. He's, he's a phenomenal, like, boxer and such a personality. He's such a funny, charismatic man. I'm a huge fan of his skills and just him as a person. And he was fighting this guy, uh, Deontay Wilder. And, um, oh, man. You know what? I, I, again, I really want to go, like, more in-depth in this. But I was trying to focus more on music. So I think I'll get back to this story. And uh, I'll go back into the music. And then, um, or you know what? You know what? you know what? Who cares? I, I'm just going to go that deep into explaining these boxers and jump the music. No, you know, we'll follow us through. So I just explained Tyson Fury and Tyson Fury was fighting this guy named Deontay Wilder. Now, Deontay Wilder, oof, this guy is also physically imposing. He's also, he's a heavyweight boxer. Um, he's the heavyweight champion. He is probably the most prolific knockout puncher since like Mike Tyson, probably. This guy is just a monster, and what's odd about him is he looks like he looks he he has some insane knockout power, but his body doesn't almost match the capabilities that he has. Whereas knockout artists usually have a certain kind of look about them. I feel like he looks more slimmed and more just like athletic looking. Like he could honestly, and I'm pretty sure he has been in basketball and and gone out and done like basketball and other sports in the past. He only in recent like not. I shouldn't say recent years, but, um, he started boxing relatively late in his life. A lot of world-class boxers start when they're very young. Like you're talking five, six, seven, eight years old. This guy started, I think when he was like twenties or something, but within a year of starting boxing, he became, um, a member of the Olympic boxing team and became a bronze medalist. That's insane. Um, you know, by no shape or form is boxing an easy sport and something you could just pick up like that. So. But this guy, what's really cool about it is he got into boxing because his daughter was sick. So he basically was like, I see an opportunity to make money and uh, treat my sick daughter. And uh, he pursued it. And you look at how far the guy has come. I mean, um, his record, he has 41 knockouts to his name. 41. Just put that in perspective. Um, Combat sports as a whole has a lot of people who've gotten knockouts, been knocked out, things like that. But 41 stands out boxing, MMA, Muay Thai, kickboxing, anything that stands out. That is incredible. And he's not really known as a super technical boxer. And that's obviously because he jumped into boxing late in life. He was a, again, he wasn't a boxer his whole life. He started, you know, relatively later as opposed to these other guys, but his, his power defies logic. And it defies the fact that he started late. If you watch a lot of his fights, it's insane. The guy just doesn't really have competitive fights. He just completely murders people. And it's it's not... A uh, thing you'll find a lot well, with knockout punchers um, is that when it comes to their knockout power, it's as a real, result of having this impressive physique with all these muscles. And muscles cost a lot of energy. So it's almost counterproductive. You think that the biggest, strongest-looking guy out there is the best fighter, and that's actually not the case. A lot of the most lethal fighters out there... They don't look the part, but they will just destroy you and your crew, you know? So Deontay Wilder, while he's not extremely physically imposing, like you'd imagine a knockout puncher look, he looks more slim. And what's interesting about that is his power carries out 12 rounds. He has knockouts literally in every single round. A lot of them are earlier in the rounds because of, um, because, you know, he just wrecks people immediately, but, uh, in every round which again is is very unlike most combat professionals. Um a lot of guys uh and and girls respectively when they are knockout punchers, they have a few good rounds in them. Um especially more in MMA I'd say, but uh in boxing it's it's usually the earlier rounds. And the reason I say especially in MMA is because um MMA is trickier in the sense where in boxing it's one version of combat, versus MMA is all forms. You know, you, you in boxing it's boxing, but in MMA it's boxing, kickboxing, muay thai, uh, wrestling, jujitsu, everything. Every variation of those styles is in one single sport, and you have to train for all that. So you imagine, um, and there are guys who have knockout powers in all rounds of MMA. But uh, traditionally speaking, when you have to train for something, your muscles are geared towards that. So you figure um, conditioning can be a struggle. Conditioning, that's my main point here. Conditioning to be a knockout puncher could be a struggle, whereas you can, you can output this power a lot, but having to mix that in with wrestling and grappling and kicking and everything like that, it's easy to wear your body down to where you can't produce that same power in later rounds. Um, and the same could go for boxing. It's just with boxing, when someone's just specifically focusing on punching the entire time, it's easier for them. It's an easier energy output than it is for like MMA. Whereas if I'm known as a knockout puncher, if I have serious power, if a guy grinds me out with wrestling, I won't have the same power in later rounds. Whereas boxing, it's more focused on striking. So a lot of these guys are more conditioned to just specifically punch and portray their power the entire time. So... um, Yeah, I don't know if I was explaining that correctly. My point is, my point is, it's very unlikely that a guy is going to have knockout power an entire 12-round bout of boxing, championship boxing. And this guy has it. And uh, he fought Tyson Fury in their first fight, which was uh, was a year ago, actually, more than a year and a half ago. And it was incredible because Tyson Fury is a guy that is undefeated, and he came up and beat Vladimir Klitschko, which is this... This guy was dominating the heavyweight division for 10 years Imagine, like, I'm 23. I think back to when I was 13. That was lifetimes ago. I can't imagine being on top of a sport so competitive for 10 years out, like, outpointing people, outstriking people, knocking people out. 10 years. Tyson Fury comes in and just outclasses them, just does it. Incredible. So he's the champion, but unfortunately, um, you know, we began this episode talking about uh, mental health. And I think maybe that's more this what this is geared towards, uh, I guess, this episode. Because I was originally going into music, but this splits off into um, how mental health affects us all, right? And Tyson Fury, uh, as big as he is, he's not immune to mental health. Just like I am not, just like you're not, just like anybody's not. And uh, it, it's it's interesting because he had everything from the size to um uh, a wife and kids and money and respect and at the top of everything he's ever wanted to achieve and he became depressed around the time of the rematch you could watch when they have face-to-face interviews with him and vladimir klitschko and he openly talks about wanting to kill himself it was really horrific you go back and rewatch it and it's just scary and uh tyson fury became very obese he drank a lot um and he actually attempted suicide. He uh, he was in his Ferrari. He was speeding towards this bridge. And he says that a voice told him to stop. And right before it, he stopped. And he was shaking. And um, he managed to pull his life around and together. And uh, he really, he it was an incredible comeback story. I, I, I highly encourage anyone to look up Tyson Fury and just really follow the steps to just understand his comeback because it's incredible. And uh, he did. He came back and he got back in shape. And, you know, he won a few fights and then he got a title fight with Deontay Wilder. And that's just what a comeback win, lose or draw. Getting back to that position is incredible. Um, So that being said, he did that. And um, the fight itself, it was really fun because I got to actually watch it at a movie theater. They were showing at this movie theater and I was like, sweet, let's do it. So I'm watching it. And again, Deontay is a knockout puncher. Tyson Fury is more defensive, technical. And it's like, that's such a fun matchup because, you know, at any moment, Deontay Wilder could just knock him out. And Tyson Fury actually was, uh, he was outworking him the whole fight. There was, uh, I think it was in the eighth round, Tyson got dropped. And so obviously that round goes to Deontay. And then in the 12th round, like I mentioned before about this knockout power having, you know, it's not typical for people to carry this power out the entirety of a fight, whether it's MMA, boxing, anything like that, you know, muscles just don't tend to last that long with that high level of output. And yet he connected with this one hook and a follow-up, just kind of like an uppercut. And it looked like Tyson just was done, just down for the count, completely knocked out. It was insane. After 12 rounds, competitive, this and that, he just dropped Tyson. And I'm sitting there like, oh no, like he just got knocked out after all this work, after everything he did to come back here. He just got knocked out. Now, obviously with boxing, you have uh, um, you have 10 seconds, uh, a ref's 10 count for you to stand up and appear physically a- a- like able to continue the fight. And Tyson magically just, he just got back up. And it, this sounds really simple. Uh, you know, for people listening at home, this may sound like very just, um whatever it may be but getting hit by a guy like Deontay Wilder who's been ex- he's been for people that have fought him and for analysts that have watched him fight they truly say he could have he is potentially the hardest puncher in the heavyweight division's history he's up there with George Foreman so that's that's <laughs> be you know that is some serious power and to get clips like he did in the 12th round and to come back like he did uh it's it's reminiscent of if anyone's ever watched wwe or wwf the the undertaker where he is he just does his famous sit-up and if you do, are you familiar with the undertaker please look this up he just he's this massive great character who just um and obviously wrestling wwe and wf obviously it's all scripted and this and that but it's still a fun play like show it's 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 fun to watch with these guys doing their own stunts and all that and the undertaker just sort of he always has this habit, one of his tropes is he sits up after receiving a lot of damage and looking like he's done. always, It's it's reminiscent of like, no matter what, I'm going to come back. Kind of like a Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. They just, you could stop them, but they always bounce back and they always continue. Their hustle never stops. Um, so Tyson came back, stood up, and it was just insane. You could see the look of confusion just like worry on Deontay's face. He's like, what? This? I just murdered this guy. Like he's back. And I, I'm not to say Deontay's scared. I don't think these professional boxers are scared. I just think there's this idea of, I had this guy and he's back up. What is this? Like, how can he get back up? Because mm-hmm. at that point too, Deontay's track record, he hits you the right way. You're done. You're you're done. There is just no coming back. So the fact that he clipped in the way he did and he came back, incredible. And uh, he started connecting with more shots and more shots. And I thought, oh no, Tyson's back up, but he's groggy. I think the fight's gonna be over soon. But then, Tyson seems to kind of bounce back a bit, connect with some shots and it's competitive and it's, it's crazy. Tyson's not going away and the round ends and you're like, wow, he just survived that that fury, got back up and just got connected with with more shots, didn't fall, connected with other shots at Deontay, survived that round. And if you look at the amount of work he had, I think we have a reason to believe that he won this fight, truthfully. So the most incredible comeback in recent memory in combat's history. And ultimately, it came down to the judges' scorecards. And uh, unfortunately, boxing is known to be very corrupt, whereas they are more willing to mess with the scorecards to where, let's say, it's more profitable to have a rematch or a rubber match, which is like the third fight, instead of having a definitive winner. Um which doesn't quite make sense. Not that I'm saying that, because if if the the decision was a draw, which is to me a stretch. I I have been meaning to go back and rewatch the fight, but watching it live, it did not at all seem to me like a draw. It seemed very clearly eight round ra- or uh, ten rounds to to two rounds, ten being Tyson, two being Deontay, like clearly, and um, and the way they score too, obviously, it's just like it's a ten point must system. So if if we're if we're competing, if we're boxing, right. Uh, if I win the round, that's, uh, 10 points, then I get 10 points, you get nine. But if I win decisively, like I get a knockdown or I'm really messing you up, you have eight and I have 10. So, um, and I, I think I'd have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure that there's never been in history, like a seven, 10 round. I think that's when like I'm dominating and you get a point deduction from doing something illegal, like a punch in the groin or a head butter or something, but 10-8 rounds, very dominant. And you could argue, if you even argue that Deontay had two 10-8 rounds, that still doesn't quite add up and still doesn't quite explain the, the amount of effort and work that uh, Tyson Fury had put in with all these other rounds. He still clearly won. And when it was a draw, I was really frustrated. I, I left the theater just like, this is ridiculous. Boxing, Like you you, you don't do yourself any favors. Um, you know. And and that's not to take anything away from Deontay Wilder. I will say this: Deontay Wilder is an incredible family man, incredible fighter, just deserves all the respect in the world. I just mentioned before the reason he got into this sport was because of his daughter that was sick, and he managed to become very successful and treat her and now take care of his family for life. Um, great guy. Um but I truly feel like he lost that fight, and it, it just very felt it, it felt uncomfortable to me. I just felt very frustrated with. You see someone put in all this effort, and um, they just lost. And to be honest, I was was really rooting for Tyson. Uh, That comeback was legendary, and I really like his... I I really like him as a person, his fighting style, and just his charisma. Um, I like Deontay's style, but I was totally rooting for Tyson. So to see him get a draw after all that is super frustrating, super aggravating. But there's another positive twist to this. Tyson Fury... Uh, and Deontay Wilder walked away with, I think it was around like each six, seven million, something crazy, like mul- you know, multi-million. Great for them, right? Great for them, their families, everything like that. Um, There's great sportsmanship too afterwards. They hugged it out and Tyson was cool about it, even though he felt he won the fight. And I know a lot of us do. Um, he was respectful about it. He wasn't just being you know crazy about it. But uh, I, le- I read that he actually donated his entire purse to charities that support uh, mental health awareness and deal with mental health. And I just think that's such a beautiful roundabout way to deal from where he came from winning the world title against Vladimir Klitschko and just losing everything because of depression when he had it all. He had, um, his wife, his kids, money, success, everything. And he was so, he just accomplished everything. He paid nothing in life mattered anymore. And he just was willing to kill himself, um, I should say maybe not willing was the right word just the fact that depression had driven him to a point where he felt the need he felt like he needed to kill himself and then to lose the weight to just become a better you know just 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 uh take control of his mental health and become better for himself and his family and his kids and his wife and just come back and the performance he put on and everything and even though he lost to dedicate his entire purse to mental health awareness and mental health charities, that's, that's such a beautiful story. It's it's incredible, truthfully. And, um, you know, this also leads to the rematch, which uh, uh, it was a year in the making. And it was kind of cool because he did some stunts in WWE and he fought some other guys and Deontay fight, fought other guys. And both guys are monsters. They beat everyone they fought and they've been building up their brands and this and that. And the rematch was looking huge. Um, I mentioned this actually, this is a massive, massive circle back to what I was talking about with music. Uh, I mentioned I like older country, Patsy Cline. Tyson Fury, ready for this? He was dressed up like a king, sitting on a throne, being carried out by the most beautiful woman. And the song Crazy by Patsy Cline was playing. Just the most insane, irrational, amazing entrance I've ever seen of any sporting event and the level of mental strength and level of just charisma and skill a guy has to walk out to, to that song, because that's an admittedly amazing song. Patsy Klein, incredible musician. Um, I love the song, Crazy, I Fall to Pieces, songs like that. Super sap, it's so powerful. But the fact that he didn't feel the need to walk out to, let's say, Raining Blood by Slayer or just any heavy song, the fact he walked out to a slow country song from the 60s, fear that man, like fear that man. And let's just say too, that fight did not go well for Deontay. Where Tyson originally played a defensive style, he came in this this uh, this fight and actually he fought a very different fight. He was way more aggressive, and it was it was a one-sided beatdown. Let me tell you, the the corner of Deontay Wilder threw the towel in, and that was that. And honestly, I don't hate that at all. I I. Like Deontay, I know he would have rather go on his shield, shield, like he says, but, you know, long term, you really don't want to be punch drunk and you want to be able to remember things. And you see time and time again, these fighters that take unnecessary damage because of their pride and because the corner didn't want to stop it or the ref didn't want to stop it. And it's just, you're not winning the fight, but you're just showing your toughness. And that's cool. And that's great. And people love you for it. But long term for you, it's bad. We don't need you to be slurring your words and just having issues later on in life, you know? Sometimes you got to take the L and retrain, come back better than ever, you know? So, uh, respect the decision, and then Tyson finally got his win, and it's just the most amazing comeback ever, and I think that's kind of just a beautiful thing. You look at mental health and how, um, you know, going back to what I said about the song, uh, Inside the Fire with, um... David Trayman's uh, girlfriend committing suicide. It's it's unfortunate because it's super easy to kind of just see the end uh, of your life as a way out. Um, you know, I uh, I get it. You know, I've suffered with a lot of anxiety and and depressive thoughts in my time, and uh, the only way to kind of move. I mean, there's not really there's 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 a lot of different ways they're seeking help there's they're seeking therapy there's medication there's friends family good times goals it's It's a long term process to really fight it it's such a cloud negative black cloud that just goes over people's heads and it's hard to get out of it but but leaning back into what I was saying with tyson it's it's incredible where if you just decide to hold on and carry on living, life can really surprise you with hard work and just dedication and just not quitting you can go from potentially killing yourself to regaining everything you had and more and just being a version of yourself you never thought possible. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So I guess that's, uh, I guess that's it for me. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in here. Uh, I also like, uh, a- heavy topics with uh, depression, this and that, but I, I think I think topics, all topics should be explored, truthfully. I think uh, within reason, I think it's good that we have minds to process information, we have mouths to speak and ears to listen. And I think that dialogue with these topics is great. It's good to talk about things, learn things and just express things. So um, I guess this, this topic today was uh, depression and anxiety and seeing how it could be tragic, but it could also be such a beautiful turnaround and how people can come out of it. So I want to encourage anybody that is listening and battling depression, anxiety to, you know, keep going. You know, there is a, there's a phrase someone said back in ROTC. It was the, uh, the, there was two people that ran it. It was, uh, commander, commander Mark Dwanels, and then, uh, master Sergeant Meehan and master Sergeant Meehan had this phrase about suicide and it's so true. And it goes, it goes like this. It's, uh, suicide is a permanent solution to temporary problems and it's super impactful and sometimes hard to really accept that phrase but long term it's it's the truth a lot of issues we face short term a lot of feelings we have short term progress always continues depression stagnant but we can't help but progress and move on as people and i want to encourage you the listener at home to continue on so thank you for listening today uh Uh, It's been your host, Eli, as always. Just, uh, yeah, I want to wish you a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, guys.